0: And according to Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 4, around about the 10th verse, it talks about all of these offices that Jesus ordained as he was ascending. And these offices are really what kind of make up the local church. And it says that the local church is there what for the equipping of the saints to go out and serve. Are you willing to be a worker today? Because I want to let you know that ministry, everybody wants to do ministry. Well, ministry is harvest work. Somebody say ministry is harvest work. It's a work that requires everything to be done in season and diligence to do it thoroughly. But it's a work I want to encourage you today. It's a work that reaps in joy. It's a work that reaps in eternal in eternal life where are the laborers where are the workers that's what we're talking about because it's time to get to work it's time to start your shift because all around us there are people who are spinning their wheels in darkness where are those that are going to guide them to the light where are those who will introduce the sick to the great physician where are those who will show the hurting that there is a door toward wholeness Who are those who are going to unlock the chains of the bound? Let me tell you, we need the workers. Somebody say, we need the workers. The ministry of Jesus was characterized by teaching, preaching, and healing. And the scripture says that his motivation, his motive was compassion. He had compassion for a people who were not being led. He had a compassion for a people who had no shepherd, a people who were dispirited, a people who were distressed. The verse says he was moved with compassion for the people. He was, had a sympathetic, that means he had a sympathetic concern for the people. I believe that one of the greatest misfortunes of our world today is we have lost our compassion. We've lost our compassion for our brother, for our sister. If it ain't happening in my house, then I don't care. That is not the way of Jesus. He was moved by compassion. We have relegated Christianity to this false sense of it's all about how God can bless me. The devil is a liar. The ministry of Jesus was always about, always about what he was willing to do for others. He was moved by by compassion so say you are saved say you and your husband and your kids are saved but somebody else's kids are not and you have an obligation to work that harvest because everybody in your house is healed and whole there's somebody else that's sick and you have an obligation to work their harvest he was moved by compassion. He began to teach and preach and heal all those who were sick and afflicted. When we talk about the workers, we let me tell you, let me free some folks. Because when we're talking about the workers, when we're talking about the labors, we're not just talking about pastoring them. Amen, lights. We're not just talking about the evangelist. We're not just talking about the teacher. We're not just talking about the prophet. We're talking about every single believer. Every single believer is called to be a worker in this vineyard. Whether you ever have a platform or a microphone, you, have to be, you are called to be a worker in the ministry of Jesus. There's something that you can teach somebody about Christ. There's something that you can proclaim because preaching is just proclaiming the goodness of God. There's something you can declare. There's something that you have to say. There's somebody around you that needs to hear that God is a good God. Every believer is called to be a worker in the vineyard, not just the pastor, not just the preacher, not just the worship leader. Every believer has an open invitation to be a worker in the vineyard. You may not have a pulpit. You may never have a pulpit, but you have some unsaved loved ones. That's your harvest. You have a job full of people who are living in darkness. That's your harvest. You know people who are sick and afflicted. That's your harvest. That's your platform. That's where you should be working. Somebody needs to know from your lips that God is a good God. Let me help you. You say, well, I thought just that was just for the preacher. I thought that was just for the teacher. I thought that was just for the prophet. Well, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 and 18 says, therefore, if anyone, is in Christ. He's a new creation. What the old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he do after that? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself. We all have the ministry of reconciliation. If you have become a new creation, then you got a new assignment. And your assignment is to then become a reconciler. You are to become an ambassador. That means you are you are the brand manage, manager for Christianity. Everywhere you go should speak about how good God is in your life. Come on, somebody. You are to be a worker. Now, in case some of you were waiting on an official invitation, let me be your announcer today. Let me be your official invite today. I officially invite you to become a worker in the harvest because you are a believer. That's what qualifies you. And so I officially commission you to get to work today because there is a work to be done. It's time to get to work because there are people scattered and in need of spiritual guidance and direction. There are people downcast and hurting. There are people grieving and need to know that he is a God that will comfort them. There are people who are hopeless, and there are people who are helpless. Where is the church? Where is the church doing this pandemic? Where are the workers doing this crisis? Where are the workers? It is time to get to work. There's a story that I like, and you can find it. In John chapter five, and I preached on it several times because it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And the story is about a blind man who was blind from birth. And so, I have, although I preached on this very many times, I'm still awestruck um, by the first couple of verses. And so, if you go to the cup, first couple of verses of chapter five, you will see that it starts with uh, people arguing about why the man is blind. And so you have some that say, well, he's blind because he sinned. He's blind because he did something bad and he sinned. That's what caused him to be blind. And then the others say, well, he was blind from birth, so it can't be because he sinned, but maybe it was because his parents sinned. And in the middle of their argument, Jesus comes and he says something very Profound. While they're arguing about why the man is blind, he comes and says, He says it's not about who sinned, but it is so that the work of God can be displayed in his life. And then he goes on to say something that we quote all the time. He says, And I have to work the work of him who sent me while it is day. In other words, he's telling you, he's telling the men, y'all can keep wasting time trying to analyze why this is like this and that is like that, trying to figure out who did what and why. I don't have time to analyze. I don't have time to try to figure it out. All I have time to do is to do my work. Now, What if the church, come on, can y'all just imagine this with me? What if the church stopped wasting time trying to figure out why what is happening is happening? What if we stop wasting time trying to explain 2020 to everybody, trying to see who did what and why, and just start going out into this ripe vineyard that 2020 has given us and do the work? Come on. What if we just start doing the work? instead of saying, trying to explain why are we having the year that we have, what if we say God is still on the throne and he can save you, he can heal you, he can bring you to a place of wholeness he can restore your finances he can restore your broken heart what if we went into the vineyard and start saying that instead of wasting time arguing about why this is happening and trying to analyze whose fault it is, what if we just start like Jesus doing the work because in the midst of their arguing God, Jesus spit on the ground made some mud picked it up put it on the man's eyes and the man's sight came back just like that what would happen if the church stopped arguing and trying to figure out what's happening and just start doing the work of christ what would happen i will tell you what would happen revival would break out revival would break out if we began to do the work how do i uh, what makes me say that revival would break out. We can look out, look at in the natural. I'm no medical doctor. I watch a lot of doctor shows, but I don't think that gives me any medical credit. Hallelujah. But what I do know is that when a person is in cardiac arrest, they use a defibrillator. And what the defibrillator does is it sends an electric shock right? It sends an electric electric shock wave to the heart. And why? In an effort to restore the normal heartbeat. What I'm trying to tell you, is that we are surrounded by dead things, dead people who are distressed, who are dead in Christ, dead spiritually. And what would happen if we start speaking life into dead situations? What would happen is that we will give a shockwave to the world that would bring about revival because that's what revival is. It's resuscitating something that is dead. And so when we begin to speak life into things that are dead, we will bring forth revival. Ah, come on. Come on, come on. We will bring forth revival in the land. And I don't know about you, but I am under the belief that our world, our, our city, our state, our nation is in need of revival. Anybody know that we're in need of revival? Come on, somebody say Revive us, O Lord. Revival would occur. It's time to get to work because we have a ripe vineyard right out there. If 2020 hasn't done anything else, it's made people, it's made people begin to look for some solutions. People are looking for the answers. Now they're looking in the wrong places, but that's because they need the workers to guide them to the truth. They need the workers to guide them to the light. Where is where are the workers? Where are the workers? The vineyard is ripe, the harvest is plenteous. And it's ready for us. And we need to get to work because God is going to usher in a revival. And I want him to do it with me. Paul Morton sings a song that says, if you can do anything, Lord, do it with me. Don't do it without me. Do it with me. I don't know if that's your testimony today, but that's my prayer. That's my plea. God, do it with me. If you're going to bring forth revival, I want to be out there working in the harvest. I want to be out there working in the vineyard. Let me tell you a story as I come to a close. America has had a few awakenings, and what we consider awakening is something that wakes the nation up to uh, their their spiritual uh place of need and their need for God, and then it brings about this great mass revival where we have many conversions and one of uh, some of the historians consider the second awakening to be what began as a businessman 's revival now this happened in the late. 1800s I began that I believe that there were a a business there was a businessman that called for a noonday prayer he called for a noonday prayer that would happen at noon uh, uh once a week while the while the businesses were closed down for the lunch hour that they would come and pray once a week and he put up flyers and let me tell you the first week he had six people only six people. He was discouraged because how many know when it's time to pray, people scatter, right? We, everybody will come to the musical, but you just get a handful to come to the prayer meeting. And so he experienced that. And so only six people came, but then the next week he had about 20. And then the next week he had about 40. And about the third week, um something happened something that they were not expecting happened and what happened was that there was a major crash in the market system and so there was an economic loss there was an economic challenge many people lost their jobs uh there was there they were afraid of famine and all of these sorts of things because there was such a crash where people were just losing their job losing their income and so this businessman prayer meeting is what they called it. And so after they after this loss of income, after this major loss in the stock market, many other people began to come to this prayer meeting. And so they, uh, they were up to about 300, and so they wrote an article. This happened in New York City. They wrote an article, article about all these 300-plus people praying and they had then changed their day, their their prayer meeting to be daily instead of weekly. And so the article went to other states and then other states began to have these prayer meetings. And so the story goes that this time period was about 2 years. It took this awakening happened for about 2 years and during those 2 years from that six man prayer meeting, 50,000 people were being saved weekly. Come on. Is that how we respond to salvation? 50,000 people were being saved weekly from what started as a six-man prayer meeting. Why? Why did that happen? One, because we had somebody that was willing to go work in the vineyard and pull off your lunch break and pray for me. That's the first reason. We had somebody who actually worked the vineyard. And then the stock market crash made the vineyard very ripe. What am I trying to tell you? We're in a ripe vineyard today. If 2020 hasn't given us anything, it's given us a ripe vineyard. And so if people are not getting saved, if people are not getting healed, if people are not getting delivered, if people are not getting turned to the truth, if people are not getting out of darkness into light, it's because of the workers. Because we have a right. It tells us the Bible says that the harvest is plenteous. That means the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. The souls are ready. All they need is somebody to tell them about Jesus. How can they hear without a preacher? That's what the Bible says. You're the preacher. You're the believer. You're the mouthpiece that has to tell somebody about Jesus. Has to tell somebody about someone that came to redeem them. And that is Jesus Christ. We are in a ripe vineyard but will you be like the one in the second great awakening that's going to hang up the flyers not caring there's only six of us at first because his his seed that he planted with six turned into thousands and thousands whose generation would never have known about jesus christ if he didn't put up that flyer come on where are the workers where are the workers the conditions are right but they're waiting on you. The harvest is waiting on you. We're not waiting on the harvest. The harvest is waiting on us. Come on, somebody say, The harvest is waiting on me. We're standing. We're standing. The harvest is waiting on me. I need you to know that today that it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. Every believer has a work. Every believer has a place to work in the harvest. Every believer has an invitation to work in the harvest. And it's time. To get to work, people are hurting. People are grieving. People are trying to understand what's going on. People are perplexed. People are confused. People are helpless. People are hopeless. And we need to be giving them direction. We need to be giving them, showing them the way showing them who is the truth, showing them where they can receive life and that more abundantly. Come on believers, it's time it's time to rise up, start teaching, start proclaiming and start leading them to a God who can heal and change everything. Come on, say it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. Any workers, anybody willing to work in the vineyard? Anybody available, hallelujah, anybody available to work in this vineyard? This vineyard is hard work, but you are reaping joy. Thank you, Father. You are reaping joy. Hey, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've tried to expand this message as well as I could. I want, it's a message of challenge, and I want to challenge you all today to reflect and look at your own life. And see, am I really working the harvest? And oftentimes we're fearful, right? We're fearful. I don't want to, I'm shy. I don't want to go up to a stranger and tell them about Jesus. But it's less about going up to a stranger and just looking at the people around you that you know. (laughs) We all have family members that need to know about Jesus we all have friends. We all have coworkers, people that we talk to all of the time because that's the trick of the enemy, to, think, to make you think that, oh, it's this scary thing that I have to go up to these, knock on these doors, and I have to go up to these people that I do not know. But if you look at Jesus and the life of Jesus, evangelism and discipleship was relational. Who do you know? Start there first. Now, there are some people, walk in the office of an evangelist and they can go on the street corner and they can preach to any and everybody but most of us just need to start with the people that we know (laughs) that's your harvest who in your family is sick who in your family needs salvation needs deliverance where do you go and frequent every day most of us go to work there are people who need to know that there is a god that can save a god that can heal a god that can deliver And what I love about the scripture, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen after you do your part. He's in control of that. He's the Lord of the harvest. All I have to do is go do my part. And he says, go and tell them. All I have to do is go use my mouth. Tell them that there is a way. Lead them to the truth. Their response is not my it's out of my control, and it's not my responsibility. Do your part. So so many times we worry about everybody else's part. Just do your part. He's the Lord of the harvest. He has control. Before he gave the great commission in Matthew, the last chapter of Matthew, he says, I have been given authority on heaven and on earth. He's the Lord of the harvest. He told the disciples, if you go, When you go, I'm sending you out to go. And when you give them the message of the kingdom, if they don't receive it, to just shake the dust off of your feet and move on. Just do your part. There's a ripe vineyard. Is anybody available today? That is my declaration. God, I'm available to you. I'm going to pray a general prayer today. I'm going to pray for the laborers to be sent because that's what he asked us to pray. If you're watching via Facebook or YouTube and you have a special prayer request, please send it. We want to pray for you. If you're in need of salvation, we will gladly pray for you. If you need healing, we will pray for you because I believe in a God that can do anything but fail. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for being so good. We thank you for being so kind. We thank you, oh God, for giving us a ripe harvest. And God, we pray right now that you would send the laborers into the vineyard. God, we ask for your forgiveness for every place where we have fallen short, where we have disobeyed when you told us to go. Didn't forgive us for that act of disobedience. And, God, we pray for another chance, God. We thank you that you would send us to the harvest. Give us what to say, what to do, God. Give us a boldness, oh, God, to do your work. God, I pray for those who are sick among us even now. God, I speak healing and deliverance to every area of affliction. I pray for those who are mourning, God, that you would comfort them, God. You are the great comforter, God, and we thank you. You are our great physician. You're our all in all, God. You are the truth, the way, and the life. And we look to you even in this crisis situation. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Because you're God all by yourself, God. We thank you for this place. We thank you that the remnant church becomes a church of workers. Hey, thank you, God. Thank you that this is a house for workers. God, that we come in here to be built up. That we come in here to be empowered and equipped.